You're listening to the FC Young Adult Podcast. good you guys hope that you are well we are continuing our sub thread um, in our year-long series entitled threads and the sub thread is responses Um, over the last several weeks we have um, had lots of different things going on here physically and on the podcast Uh, we posted a story of my friend Courtney and if you have not listened to that yet I would really encourage you to do that she was incredibly vulnerable and willing to tell her story and there's something super powerful about uh, people getting into their lives and letting us know where they were where they're at and where they are continuing to be so check that out Uh, we have two episodes of that podcast series up and uh, today I want want to continue to talk about responses. We've talked about a couple things over the last couple months. We talked about uh, a responsive on worship, a responsive lament. You can find those things on previous episodes of the podcast as well. But this week, we're going to look at a type of response that we use regularly today. And it's also a response that was used regularly throughout scripture, and that is songs. We obviously sing songs on a regular basis. Uh, many of us listen to worship music. Many of us participate in corporate worship together when we sing songs. It's a, it's a form of response to God. It's a way that we worship Him. It's a way that we respond to His goodness and His majesty and His grace. Um, but in Scripture, there are a couple hundred songs. A lot of them are found in the book of Psalms. And I, I want to look at one of those Psalms and just walk through um, just that chapter and think about some things that we can apply to our lives today. We won't read every single verse, but I do want to look at some key ones. Uh, there are 150 Psalms in Scripture, all songs with many authors, but I want to look at Psalm 118. This chapter is titled Thanksgiving for Victory. It's believed to have been written by King David, and we're going to start right at the beginning, Psalm 118, verse 1 through 4. It says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Let Israel say his faithful love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say his love, his faithful love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say his faithful love endures forever. So the first point this week is he is good. He is good. I don't know about you, but sometimes I need to be reminded that God is simply good because life and the world around me and the circumstances that I'm in would often try to convince me otherwise that God is not good. If God was good, then why this? And and our humanity fights against the idea that God is good. But I love that David sets the tone right from the beginning and he says, he is good. He is good. So no matter what I say next, from this posture of victory, from this standpoint of victory, would we understand that he is good? So often in our lives today, we can get easily distracted by that which is right in front of us. And we can get so distracted that we forget that God has always been and always will be for us. So let us not be focused on what's right in front of us, but let us be focused on the God who is always for us. Then there's this word forever forever. His faithful love endures forever. He is good forever. The love of Jesus endures all things. The love of Jesus endures forever. The love of Jesus endures our failures. The love of Jesus endures our mistakes. The love of Jesus endures our brokenness. It endures our walking away. It endures our hiding from. It endures and it will endure forever. So no matter where you're at today, no matter how broken you think that you are, no matter how many mistakes or failures you believe that you have committed, his love endures forever. 
would we understand that his love endures forever? When I was reading through this passage, I was reminded that Jesus's proximity and love for me is not dependent on my proximity and love for him. You see, my position and my perspective may change, but his never does. There would be seasons in my life. There have been, and I hope there won't be, but there have been seasons in my life where I have doubted whether or not good God is good, or I have doubted whether or not his love does endure. But in the midst of that doubt, in the, in, the, in the midst of that change of perspective, in the midst of me stepping away and my proximity not being as close to Jesus, Jesus' proximity to me never changed. Jesus' love for me never changed. So as I doubt, as I question, he loves. And as I walk away, he walks towards. Would we understand that our proximity, our perspective, our position in regards to Jesus does not affect his, posi- his position, his proximity, and his love for us? David goes on to say in verse 5, I called to the Lord in distress. The Lord answered me and put me in a spacious place. A spacious place. I called to the Lord in distress. I think it's a reminder that we can praise God by understanding that he should be our go-to in times of trouble. That in our distress, when we turn to God in the midst of our distress, that is a form of worship. That when we are in the worst situations, we turn to God and we say, God, you're the one who's going to fix this. You're going to be the one that restores this. You're going to be the one who I trust in the midst of this. That is a form of worship. And then David says, the Lord answered me and he put me in a spacious place. A spacious place that has always sounded like really nice to me, but I don't know that I've ever dove into what it actually means. I can look at the, the, the verses that are scattered throughout scripture and we can say, you place me in a spacious place. I'm like, yeah, oh, that's great. It sounds comfortable. It sounds clean. It sounds neat. It sounds like, oh, this, this place that I just am free. And that is a part of it. But if you look at the Hebrew word that is often attached to the phrase a spacious place, it's the, it's the word ravak. And ravak means to breathe freely, to revive to have ample room, and to be refreshed. Remember that this chapter is called Thanksgiving for Victory. Jesus, God, you put me in a spacious place. I am sitting in a position of victory because you put me in Ravak, in a place to breathe freely, in a place to be revived, in a place to have ample room, in a place to be refreshed. Sometimes we need to understand that victory can be found in the midst of the spacious place. We have been hardwired to fight hard. We've been hardwired to do more. Our circumstances drive us to striving instead of surrendering, but sometimes victory is found when we stop trying. It's not victory when we reach the top of the mountain. It's victory when we allow God to put us where he wants us to be. Maybe we need to allow ourselves to embrace the fact that God has given us moments to breathe freely. He's given us space to be refreshed, space to be revived, to have ample room to open our hands and become people who say, Lord, here's my circumstance and I'm open-handed with my circumstance. I'm open-handed with my relationship. I want to surrender those things to you because I trust that in the midst of me trying to strive, I want to slow down and allow you to place me in a spacious place, a place that I can breathe and be revived and refreshed and have ample room to be the person that you have called me to be. 
Then David goes on to say in verses 8 and 9 these, these phrases that pose a couple important questions. The first one, Psalm 118, verse 8, it says, It's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in humanity. So the question I want to ask this week is, where are we taking refuge? Where are we taking refuge? When situations arrive or cir- arise or circumstances happen, who or what do we run to? Humanity could obviously refer to people around us. And when we look at the people around us, there are definitely people that are safe to run to, and there are definitely people who are not safe to run to. We often need discernment on who are the people that we can run to and take refuge in. But here's the thing. We aren't called to take refuge in any person here on earth. We're called to take refuge in Jesus. So if there are people that you trust who are pointing you towards Jesus, that's fantastic. Go to them in time of trouble. But make sure that Jesus is ultimately the one that you are taking refuge in. I have to do the same. Humanity could also refer to our own humanity. That that we're not called to take refuge in our own depravity or in our own brokenness. Because oftentimes we take refuge in things that might have called caused the need for refuge in the first place. The things that are traumatizing our lives cause us to seek the things that are traumatizing our lives. Do we take refuge in Jesus or do we take refuge on our own? Let's make this tangible. We all have situations in our lives where we make split decisions, split second decisions that result in something bad. We've all done it. And we look at it afterwards and we're like, I didn't realize how bad that decision was until I'm experiencing the pain and the brokenness of that decision. But we have also all experienced decisions where we sit in the midst of a decision and time seems to freeze. And we say, I know that I shouldn't do this, but I want to. And there seems to be these two different decisions. I can do this thing that might bring me joy or pleasure for five seconds or... I can take, make this decision and I can be happy with the decision that I made for the next several days, weeks, months, years, etc. And we get these freeze frame moments where we get to make a decision. And I would love to say that every time I've gotten that decision in my life, I've made the right decision. I'm like, oh, I, I'm, I'm recognizing that I have a choice and I'm not going to make the conscious decision to do something sinful or the conscious decision to do something that would break the heart of God. But I have done that throughout my entire life. Uh, when I was in my teens and in my early 20s, it was a pornography addiction that allowed or that that constantly presented itself and and I got the decision to make one decision or the bad decision, the good decision or the bad decision. And I would love to say that every single time I was like, nope, I know what's happening right now. I'm going to make the conscious decision to make the right choice. No, I would justify something in my head and then I would do something that wasn't the best for my life. And even now as a I was an adult then, but as an older adult and a married man with kids, like it presents itself in different ways. It's like in parenting where it's like, I want to yell at my kid right now. And the Lord freezes time, so to speak. And it's like, Hey, don't yell at your kids. You know that this is not the right way to handle this situation. I'm like, Oh, but I want to yell at my kids. They deserve to be yelled at. And the Lord's like, I'm giving you the opportunity to do something better. And I would love to say again, that I make the right decision every single time, but I don't. But here's the thing. When we can make the right decision in the moments where we get those conscious moments and we can make the right decision more times than we don't, what it does, it starts to create a posture in our spirit that those split decisions that happen, the split second decisions that happen throughout the midst of our lives, all of a sudden we start to make healthier choices in the, in the moments that we don't get the conscious choice. We just start making these 
habitual good decisions because we have taken time to assess ourselves in the other moments and say, no, I'm going to make the right decision. We build within ourselves the capacity to make the right decision. And a lot of that is when we take refuge in the right place. When we run towards Jesus in those moments where we get to make the conscious decision, then we start to do that, that even when we don't have the conscious choice. We just are running towards Jesus because that's what we have hardwired our brain to do is focus on Jesus. So where are we taking refuge? Then in verse nine, David says another thing. He says, it's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in nobles. This is a really interesting thing because David is the king. He's talking about the fact that it is more important to trust the Lord than to trust him. So the next question that I want to ask is this, is who are we listening to? Who are we listening to? We must have the discernment to listen for Jesus amongst the noise. I'm not saying that there are no earthly voices worth listening to. You're listening to this podcast. I hope that it's really helpful for you, but I hope that you would never listen to this podcast over listening to Jesus. Never listen to me over Jesus. Never listen to your friends over Jesus. Never listen to your family over Jesus. Never listen to your political party over Jesus. Never listen to your group that you are associated with over Jesus. Jesus first Always, we get the opportunity to serve a king and a creator that hung the stars in the sky. Let us be people who have the discernment to say, yes, that's the voice that I want to listen to. In the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the noise of the world and culture, I'm going to listen to Jesus and allow him to steer me towards who he has created me to be. David goes on to say later in the chapter in verse 14, he says this, The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. You guys, scripture just preaches itself. He is our strength. He is our song. He is our salvation. When you want to rely on your own capacity, when I want to rely on my own capacity and my own abilities, would we be people who let him be our strength? See, we waste so much time trying to prove how capable we are. Instead, we should spend that energy proving how capable God is. We're only given so much capacity. Let us not try to spend so much time trying to convince the world of how strong we are and, and how put together we are. Would we just say, no, I'm surrendering my life to Jesus because he is the author, the perfecter of my faith. He is capable. He is God. I am not. So I am going to make the statement always, he's got this, not I've got this. And then it says, he is our song. But I'd pose this, that, that when we want to make noise, would we be people who make noise about Jesus? If we're going to be loud, let us be loud for the right reasons. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter who we are. It matters who he is. And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if people know us. It matters if they know him. Our mission is not to gain followers. Our mission is to create followers of Jesus. We are not Jesus. We are not His their savior. He is. And that leads us into the last point is that he is our salvation, that we are not our own saviors and there's nothing in this world that can save us. Only Jesus, only Jesus. So he's good. His love endures forever. His love endures forever. He has given us a spacious place because he, he, we get to operate from a stance of victory and victory can be found in the midst of the spacious place. And then we have to ask ourselves some challenging questions. Where are we taking refuge and who are we listening to? I want to end by reading the last two verses of this song that David writes unto the Lord. You are my God. You are my God. I am not my God. You are my God. And I will give you thanks. You are my God. I will exalt you.
Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. Thank you for listening to the FC Young Adult Podcast. If you are in the Billings area, we would love to see you at our in-person gatherings on Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. If you're unable to attend in person, there are always ways to engage online. Follow along through Instagram at faithchapel.ya or find our ministry page at faithchapel.cc. You are loved.